1982, he finds himself in a fight practically for his life. In 1985, he's called back into action by his country to help find and locate POWs that were left behind in the Vietnam War. In 1988, he springs back into action one more time to rescue his friend and his mentor, Colonel Troutman. Today, we talk about the character Rambo and the movies that were done in the 1980s. Is there any doubt that Rambo was probably the best character Stallone made at that time? Let us know what you think. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast, Retro Life for You. My name is Chris Adams, your host of the show. This week, we are going to be uh, talking about another favorite movie of mine, movie series, as far as that goes, Uh, bringing up Rambo. Uh, The question I pose today is, what was Stallone's greatest character? And that today we're talking Rambo, so I tell you, I think his greatest character is probably Rambo. I'm going to get some heat from the Rocky fans, I know, but, I mean, it's hard to top Rambo. So, this week, we have a special guest host with us. We have uh, Timo from Top 80s Movies here. And he's going to go ahead and join us and talk all things Rambo this week. I mean, the man knows a lot. So, let's really uh, just get into the show. And, Timo, if you will, tell everybody about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. So, yeah, so, everyone, my name's Timo. I'm uh, an English guy now living in Sydney, Australia. I grew up. Um, through the 80s so of course i love uh 80s movies and you know to this day i've got a massive 80s collection and of course i got the instagram now to post about my favorite movie uh, movie moments and also talk about you know behind the scenes stuff that about the film that you didn't know about and i love the 80s movies so much uh, i even make t-shirts i sell my own uh, 80s movie t-shirts so i've got a whole range of all those classic movies like uh Rambo, of course, Terminator, Back to the Future, Top Gun. Take those classic moments, classic lines, a bit more niche, a bit deeper than the, the stuff you can get in an ordinary shop and whack them on a T-shirt. That's how much I love 80s movies. And I just love the 80s movies because I feel like they just take you to, a, you know, they will really take you to another world. You know, uh, movies today can often be so serious, but the 80s movies, you know, they they... They were a little tongue-in-cheek. They were a lot of fun. And they had all the elements that you wanted. You know, they had action. They had muscles. They had a little bit of love story, great music, you know, great action sequences. And they were just a little bit out of this world, which made them just so much fun to watch. So that's why I love the 80s movies. And you make a lot of great points. I love a good soundtrack to a movie. Yeah. Uh, and the 80s had so many great soundtracks. I've talked about this with others before. you have a favorite soundtrack from the 80s that you uh, like from the movies? Uh, look, I mean, I think it, the movie actually adds to the soundtrack. So I, I don't know if I could, uh, you know, pick a soundtrack, but, um, you know, just individual songs. But I guess, you know, I guess reality is that the soundtrack from Top Gun, I think, was just epic. You know, it really kind of embodied the 80s. There are so many classic 80s anthems in that uh, album. Yeah. <laughs> That's an awesome pick. That's not now uh, for your t-shirts. Where can they buy your t-shirts at? If uh, you know you got them for sale, where do they get to this? Meet yeah, you so on Instagram, find out from there, or do you have a store set up? Uh, both. So you know, if people were to follow me, I'd great to see you over there. It's uh, top underscore eighties underscore movies. My shop link is in my bio, but the shop is actually called uh, top tees dot shop. That's T O double P 
toptees, T-E-E-S dot shop. And I made a special code for your, for your fans and followers. Uh, it's literally Rambo. And if you put that code in, you can get 10% off any shirt. So that's a special that's awesome, that's exclusive. That's, that's only you, Rambo. <laughs> Definitely awesome, man. Thanks a lot for it. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Anybody, definitely visit his shop. Take a look at the shirts. I have seen some of them. He's wearing one right now. It's a great shirt right there for sure. Do we get to win this time? That's a great question. I just watched that movie earlier today. And how good was it? <laughs> oh, and it's always good. Always yeah. good. Like I said, yeah. it's hard to beat Rainbow. When you grew up in the 80s, everybody had their their choice and their, their, their picks of who their favorite action person was. All of them did the movies where they at least hit the Vietnam era, it seemed like, or at least an army-type feel. So you had, like, of course, John Rambo. You had John Matrix, which was you know Schwarzenegger oh, from Commando. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got uh, Braddock, Chuck Norris, mm-hmm. Missed in Action. So, yeah. I mean, if you, if you, it, it, you had your choices of people that you could pick from and, and pick one and run with it, and all these guys were larger than life in the movies, but to get to today's topic, Rambo, Rambo is one of those that we just love because it's like he was a killing machine. He was just a no pain feeling, uh, no remorse, go through, and he knows what he's got to do and wipe everybody out kind of guy. And, and it's funny because uh, I, I saw an interview with Schwarzenegger uh, who talked about their um rivalry in the 80s and each movie they did they try to top each other on how many kills they had in the movie i'm thinking how do you beat rambo on kills yeah yeah sure the first movie was i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say because you're talking about comparing uh arnie with uh rambo and that kind of rivalry that i was one of the moments i was actually going to talk about today on the show is i absolutely loved that moment in twins where he's walking down Hollywood Boulevard and he sees the poster of uh, uh, Rambo three uh-huh. up on the wall and he, he he looks at his bicep and he he kind of oh, like he's got nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's earlier when you said eighties, how they have these moments in the movies. All right, that's a key example right there. Yeah. I mean, it's like he's it's like he took a shot at him, but he didn't really take a shot at him. It's a friendly thing, a friendly gesture. There was a big rivalry. And he took an opportunity on on that to go and poke some fun at him. He, he'd already tricked him into taking "Don't shoot" or "Don't or my, uh, what don't uh, something or my oh stop or my mom will shoot." Is that what it was called? Oh, you sure? Yeah, yeah. A really bad movie. <laughs> but yeah, but he he had tricked him into that at one point. You know, they had this real big thing going on. But first blood. I mean, when the movie came out, there was a lot you mentioned earlier. There was a lot to it before it finally reached the movie status. If you will, yeah, take a couple sure. moments here and tell us about that, what you found out about it. Yeah, well, sure. Well, when you invited me to come on the show, of course, you know, I watched the movies again. and But I wanted to go a bit deeper. And it's like, you know, where did this guy John Rambo come from? Like, what's his history? I mean, you know, we just know that there's this one-man army, lone wolf dude. But, you know, who created him, where did he come from and why? So, of course, there was the novel uh, written by David Morrell. So he wrote the Rambo uh, original character, for those who weren't familiar, it was actually a book. And that was published in 1972. So funnily enough, we literally just passed the 50th anniversary 
of uh, of that book it was in october 22nd so we've we literally just passed that by 50 years of john rambo so he was created by david morrell now um he wrote this story because he was going to uh, i think penn state university and he saw a lot of the vietnam uh, veteran guys around and he saw that they were getting a bit of a hard time from everyone from the community so it kind of inspired him to write this story about you know a vietnam veteran who was trying to reintegrate in society but he was having trouble um so he wrote that in 72 and um it was only 10 years later that it was finally made into a movie so nobody wanted to touch the movie uh, and it went from studio to studio nobody took it it was like re-scripted like i think i've read 1.26 times before um stallone got his hands on it and um what I find fascinating is to think of all the uh, actors who actually were considered for the role of John Rambo. I mean, we you couldn't consider anyone but Stallone now, but some of the people who were offered the role of originally with John Rambo were Clint Eastwood, uh, Steve McQueen, but Steve McQueen was rejected because he was too old. Because, you know, the veterans coming out of Vietnam, you know, they were young guys, obviously, you know, 1920. Right. So needed someone in that age bracket. Uh, and um, Al Pacino, I think, was offered it. And, and I think the funniest one, with all due respect to him, it was Dustin Hoffman. Could you no. imagine Dustin Hoffman being John Rambo? I mean, I just can't. No, see I that. can't. Yeah, I so can't. A lot of people uh, turned it down. But what I think is fascinating for me is that, you know, we, we kind of know John Rambo is this kind of one man killing machine. However, Stallone actually toned down John Rambo because in the book he is actually a bit of a psycho killer. So uh, in the book he actually, when he goes out and hunts those police officers in the wood, he literally actually kills them all. But Stallone didn't want to make such a violent film and he actually toned down the character to be a lot more vulnerable because at the end of the day, I'm sure you or I don't know, the viewers can sympathize. You know, he was a bit of... He, he was this troubled soldier. He, he was pretty down on his luck. He wasn't out to actually kill anyone. And, of course, in that first film, he doesn't actually kill anyone. So we know John Rambo, you know, is his killing machine, but he doesn't actually kill anyone. And you think, oh, one person died, yes, but he fell out of the helicopter and essentially right. uh, Rambo was essentially trying to protect himself because the, the guy was shooting at him and he was just trying to protect himself. So I think that's right. a cool fact is nobody actually died at the hands of John uh, Rambo in the first uh, film. And also, uh, again, I don't know if your viewers know, but, you know, in the book, he actually dies. You know, uh, Troutman ends up shooting him. And, you know, we wouldn't have had all these amazing action-packed sequels if they actually went with that storyline. So he actually dies at the end of the book. I didn't so. know that either, and I'm glad they did not go that route. Because we have had so many great Rambo movies since First Blood. I'm, I'm glad they didn't go that route at all. And Stallone did a good job of portraying the character by making him, you said he didn't want to have so much violence and be, make him the psycho killer. He did a great job in First Blood of making him likable to the yeah. crowd watching. He's just a guy coming through town. He's trying to get a bite to eat. He's trying to visit his old war buddy. Finds out that you know the war got him after all in the long run. Um I think cancer it was that, that, that took the last guy he tried to go meet up with. And he just wanted to get a bite to eat through his town. He'd be on his way most likely. But the sheriff of the town has a thing for vagrants, especially it seems like, uh, you know, veteran vagrants. It's like he doesn't have no respect for them or anything, it feels like. 
So well, he's going to the edge of town and leave him and let that be. Sure. Yeah. Well, again, uh, in the book, the, there's actually a deeper rivalry between those two characters. They're like two alpha males. You've got John Rambo, who served in Vietnam, and Teasel, he actually served in the Korean War. And in the background of the movie, you can see in his office, he actually has his medals up on the wall. So one of the angles of the story that they didn't really go into in the film was the fact that he was a Korean War veteran, John Rambo was Vietnam, and hence there was this kind of big rivalry between these two macho guys. But again, they didn't go into that angle in, in the film. Right. That makes you wonder why they didn't, I wonder why they didn't put that in the film, that the sheriff had a history, you know, like that. Yeah. I wonder why they skipped that out. I mean, I don't think that would have been a terrible thing. No, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's total open to debate. I mean, who knows why, you know, the writers and the directors go in a certain direction. But again, that was just kind of some of the background that I found out. Uh, and another cool thing about the background I found out was, um, you know, in the book, uh, Rambo actually has a, a big bushy beard, you know, because again, he's homeless, he's wandering the streets. And they, they got rid of the beard. Uh, and also it was actually Stallone, that introduced the infamous knife that has become so synonymous with John Rambo. So again, in the book, there was no knife. Uh, Stallone introduced that as a symbol, uh, which and one of the things I love about the films is how the fact that every Rambo film, this knife just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I was about to bring that up. I mean, I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but that knife changes with the movies because in, in uh, First Blood Part Two. He is showing Co. The, uh, she says, "What brings you good luck?" Because he's talking about her jade necklace that she has, bringing her luck. He said, "What brings you luck?" And he says, "I guess this does." He holds up this big knife that looks like he could, you know, gut a bear with it or something. Kind of like this, <laughs> kind of like that right there, you know, <laughs> pretty big. So I mean, it's, it's. I was like, man, it's like that got a lot bigger from the last one. It's yeah, I mean, right, right up right. to the point in uh, Rambo, in, in the fourth in the series, that he's literally got this huge machete. It's, it's actually yeah. evolved from a knife into a machete, you know. So, yeah, I mean, he, he got, uh, Sly got bigger and bigger, his muscles got bigger and bigger, his hair got bigger, and the knives got bigger. So, that's, And then, of course, <laughs> the kill counts just kept doubling every film. Gosh, that's right. By the time he reached, uh, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call it part four to keep up and just saying Rambo, but it was just titled Rambo, I believe the fourth one was. And if you count how many bodies was on that one at the end of it alone, when he jumps in the back of the truck and starts using that machine gun on the the guerrilla army, I mean, the man takes out probably uh, what feels like is a hundred people just then. I'm sure it wasn't, but the feel they give you, it's a lot of people he's taken out. Yeah, sure. So, Actually, I've got a really cool story about that actual um, scene, and that it, it's reminded me of something that I wanted to share. So this character, John Rambo, he was actually based on a real-life World War II veteran called Audie Murphy, who was a highly decorated soldier. He won a bit like Rambo. He won everything, Purple Hearts, you know, the works. And he was famous for real in World War II for literally holding off an army of soldiers injured with a huge you know machine gun he was literally on a post just tanking them down and that scene in rambo is actually based on his on that real life moment from world war ii so that moment in the fourth saga where he's on the on the on the on the car gunning them all down that's kind of loosely based on a real moment for the 
for the origin of the real uh, Rambo character um, that David Morrell based it off, Audie Murphy. That's cool. Yeah. That's definitely cool. So of the um, of the uh, 80s uh, movies for Rambo, which one of the three was your favorite? Yeah, well, look, I mean, that's a big question. I mean, you know. <laughs> you, as on the spot. I put you on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I mean, I mean, think First Blood Part Two is the most classic. The, it is the most notable. It's the one you could probably watch over and over. But, you know, I do have to say I actually kind of like Rambo 3. You know, I think the story's a bit, it's a bit weaker, uh, but mm-hmm. I, ju- I just love it. You know, it starts off with some Thai stick fighting and he's, he's in the monastery and he's even bigger and more muscular than ever before. And I love the humor in Rambo 3. There is so much humor which literally flies under the radar uh, the director, uh, Peter McDonald, he wanted to integrate uh, an element of humor into Rambo. And he said he failed miserably. But I don't think he did. There are so many great moments in that movie, which is so funny. Uh, and one of my favorite ones is, you know, he's getting kitted up with his little aide in, in, before he heads out on his mission. And, and one of his bits of kit that he takes is like these um, stick lights that are blue. Yeah. And the guy says, oh, what's that? And, and Rambo says, it's a blue light. And, it, and the guy asks him, what does it do? And he goes, it turns blue. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like really subtle moments that I, I think they're hysterical. So, of course, you know, First Blood, you know, is is the is the most notable. It's fantastic. But like I say, I, I, I can go with Rambo 3. I think I'm quoted on a previous show uh, saying Rambo 3 was my favorite of the group. We did a, uh, our very first episode was called a, um, uh, I think it was a decade of Stallone, the 1980s is what we called it. So all of Stallone's movies to the 80s, we, we talked about those. And I think I was, I think I'm quoted from there saying that Rambo 3 is my favorite of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, because like you said, it's got a lot of, a lot of good humorous moments in it. The action's great. I, yeah. I like it where you know at the end of it they're at their standoff and he you know Troutman looks at him and he says um hey, they're talking something about uh, pain and not feeling pain you know you're, oh, you're trying yeah, to sure. feel pain he yeah. goes really is it working he's like no not really no offense yeah. you know yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about there is so many of those great movies like again you know that in Rambo three you know they're surrounded by this whole Russian army and uh, you know, gunships, and there's two of them, Troutman and him, and they're staring at them and like, what do we do? And and John Rambo says, well, you know, something like, you know, well, I guess surrounding them's out, you know. Yeah, and it's about the question. He goes, now's not a good time for humor, Johnny. That's right. It's, it's brilliant, you know. That's, it's a great film. You've got action and you got comedy, you know. What more can you want? Right, right. And uh, the, the guy that I'm, I'm trying to make up my mind, since watching two and three today, both of them, had you know russian military involved in it uh of the two russian bad guys which one did the better job you think part oh, two or part three? Yeah, well that's that, yeah. that's no question it's got to be uh you know the the sergeant yushin and uh colonel Petoski in in rambo two a hundred percent you know that i just <laughs> love those guys one of my favorite moments in rambo two is where They've captured him and he's hanging out in the 
in the muddy water and the Russian helicopter arrives, which incidentally isn't actually an American Bell helicopter, it's not Russian. And, and yeah. the Colonel Potosky just steps out and the music, the Russian style music just kicks in. It's like, oh, that moment. It's just, I love that moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got him in that. Uh, and of course, when they've got him in there, they're going to make him make the call. He finally agrees to make the call. Well, no, they're tortured him for it, I guess, with the electrical stuff. And uh, they got the knife they'd had in the fire pit. And they're going to put it in the POW's eye. And he sure. gives in so they don't hurt him. And at that moment, I, I, I can't remember. Maybe you might remember. Did he notice that Co was under the floorboard of the building? Did he see yeah, her through the cracks in the floor? Or yeah. was he just determined at that point, this is my moment. Yeah. I'm making or breaking. You know. uh, yeah, that's a really good question, and I don't, I don't know the answer. But I personally believe I don't think he knew that she was there. I just think he, you know, he had to get out of there. He was going to get out of there, and he was just making his break. And she yes, was just I don't think he noticed there. at all. I, I think, yeah, I think he's like, this is it's, it's it's either now or never, or die trying. And you know, he he grips that microphone hard, and yeah, he's sure. like you know, Murdoch, you know, I'm coming oh, to get you. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I think there are various characters that I wanted to chat about today. And you know, you know that guy Murdoch. You know, I think he's the best bad guy. We just hate the guy. You know, Charles Napier. He did a fantastic job as the slimy, double-crossing. You know, I think maybe he was CIA. I'm not sure, but you know, we just hate the guy. You know, he's betraying John Rambo. He's let him down, and we just love it at the end where he comes in and he blows up all that equipment. And then he and he comes in and slams that knife down to him. Mission yes. accomplished. So, I, yeah. I read I read earlier that Charles Napier recalled that people would often tell him when they seen him, "I hated you so much in Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Sure. Just, yeah. You know? yeah. And that's got to be a good compliment to have as an actor, though. I mean, you did such a good job that you pulled that emotion from people. You yeah. know that that yeah, that's a great compliment for him, at least. He did yeah. a good job of it. They no one liked him at that point. They they would just been just as happy if Rambo had put the knife between his eyes, probably. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And this is the thing, you know. If you you see the guy in the street, the guy's an actor. He's playing a role. He's not he's not really betraying America. Their fans, you know. He's just he's playing right. a character. But, you know, we get so engrossed as a, as a, as a people. We get so engrossed in our movies and our TV shows and these characters. Uh, to the point that, you know, some people, if they're not, I guess, 100% mentally stable, uh, probably feel that world is real around them. Or some people use stuff like that just as an escape, and that's the world around them that they want to be in at that time, and they, they take it serious. You know, and yeah, they, yeah. it's uh, Alison Arngren uh, from Little House on the Prairie fame that played Nellie, the little little girl yeah. Nellie that would bully around little Laura Ingalls all the time. People hated her yeah. for the longest time. And they'll still tell her she was such a mean person, but in real life, she's really nice and everything they say. She's really cool. So you get that a lot. Uh, professional wrestlers get this the oh, most, yeah. I think, because wrestling today is still a huge thing in the world. A lot of fans yeah. to it. And the ones that play the really, really mean bad guys that taunt the crowd and everything, uh, some of them get cheered for it, believe it or not, funny enough. But some of them, the ones that do it really well, they don't get cheered. Boy, they get downright dirty, and people just throw things at them. They yell at them. They talk at you know, bad online about them. They'll bring their dead grandparents into it or something. I mean, 
they get real serious about it, like I said. So people get really in, in just really into the characters they're watching. And this cool. guy Napier played so good that people really, really hated him for this role. And it's like, I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, no, he was he was a great kind of bad guy. And also on a similar note, we kind of we've kind of fast track. We haven't really talked about First Blood too much, but on a similar note, in First Blood, you know, I think the best kind of bad guy in that film was uh, that uh, Galt. Uh, you know the police officer that's trying you just hate you know you despise the guy you know I mean, you're almost happy that he falls out of that damn helicopter you know he's being so yes. mean to Rambo. you know he's mean to him in the shower block and then he's just he's got it in for him he's like when he falls you're like oh yeah <laughs> and then you can't tell for sure if, if you hate the sheriff or not the sheriff he's not a bad guy but he's not a good guy either you no, know Brian, he did a good job of that that's right. A great character as well. And you just get right behind him of where he's at. Um, actually, I had another little cool fact about the police office in, in that film, which is like really deep. The author, he grew up in a town called Kitchener in Ontario, Canada. And then he went to Penn State University. And interestingly, the names of the deputies of those um, police officers are named after towns around his hometown of Kitchener. So, for example, Galt. If you look it up on Google Maps, is you know it's like 50k outside of Kitchener and and Preston. So he got the names for the deputies from towns around where he lived, which I thought was kind of a cool fact. That's a cool fact that for sure. No, I did not know that one. I told you. I told you. Uh, I think actually you mentioned that to me before. I think last week you mentioned when you were researching you that you did mention that to me, but I didn't know that when you told it to me. That was new to yeah. me. But yeah. I think it's cool, though. I didn't know a lot about the book. I never read the book. I uh, never looked for it or anything, just because I loved the movie so much. And I'd heard the book was a lot different, so I never really went into the book or anything. Uh, yeah. Some books. There are some books from the movies growing up I did read before I saw the movies or even afterwards, just to see the difference. Um, of all things, The Karate Kid. You know, 1984 oh. Karate Kid. Watched the movie first, but I saw the book in a store, picked up the book, decided I was going to read it. And it's pretty much the same spot on, but uh, the scenes that were deleted from the movie are actually in the book when you're reading it. So uh, a few things like that are kind of cool. Some things I have a hard time with the books, but love the movies like Lord of the Rings. I love the story of Lord of the Rings. It's just a hard read for me because, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to read action. And really get a good feel for it. For me, yeah, well, those, those books—they're pretty heavy duty. That Lord of the Rings book—they're pretty. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty deep, and of course, you got the long, the big long names for people. They give them in the book, in the movie. They kind of just shorten mm-hmm. it down some, you know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, doesn't always mean the book's better than the movie for sure. Doesn't always mean that. Uh, First Blood, though. Back to First Blood itself, you know, we haven't talked a great deal about it yet. Um, so he's a he's just a, a man passing through town, basically trying to get a bite to eat. Sheriff takes him to the opposite end of town, drops off, says, "We don't want you here. Go to the next town over. It's very close." He decides, "No, I'm standing up for myself at this point. You're not doing this to me. I'm just I want something to eat." So he starts walking right back. Sheriff sees him immediately in the mirror, picks him up, takes him to, to jail. I'm not quite sure how they make us. <laughs> A thing like that stick. I mean, it's a movie. I know, you know, that's, that's how it's written and everything. Uh, if you think, if you try to compare real life to it, I don't think something like that would actually happen. 
where yeah. uh, you know you can just pick somebody up and take them to jail and hose them down and all that good stuff just because they refuse to walk to the next county over. But it gives a good pretense to the rest of the movie of what's coming up when you see how he's being treated in there. The yeah. one officer that didn't mistreat him, which uh, just just to give a, a, a tip here for people who might not remember or didn't see it, uh, future star David Caruso, mm. uh, he was the one that was probably the nicest to him. You know, he would try to tell him to stop you know stop fighting it stop fighting it can't you see what you know he's what you're doing right now just so uh but you see how they're building it up there and he starts having flashbacks of vietnam them holding a knife to him they're trying to shave him them holding a knife or something and building up until he escapes and beats the crap out of everybody on the way out the door which was a kind of a cool scene there on its own yeah yeah, look, I mean, in terms of talking about classic uh, moments from the films, you know, that was definitely I was one that I was going to bring up is that, you know, prisoner, the, the escape scene out of the, the prisoner, he just beats up those, you know, how, I don't know how many it was, but let's call it eight cops uh, and, and in different moves. And, and interesting, another cool behind the scene fact, um, one of my favourite um, moves that he does, he, he kind of sweeps the leg of a, police officer and then does a back elbow into his face and um, he actually broke that guy's nose and later on you see the guy in the film and he's got a band-aid across his nose and two black eyes well that was real in the course of producing and creating the film Stallone actually connected and and did literally (laughs) break his nose (laughs) yeah I mean accidents happen you know I mean they do happen I mean, you're you filming a picture. You're going to make it look realistic. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would have taken a shot to the nose of being in that movie. Exactly. Along the subject of, uh, you know, kind of real moments, that, um, another moment, you know, where he jumps off, the, he's been cornered, he's climbed down the cliff and he's trying to get away, so he decides to jump off into the tree. Well, Stallone, he did do that stunt, obviously not from the very top, that's crazy. But he did it from about a third down and he dropped down from the tree onto the ground and he actually broke his rib. So when he hits the ground and kind of grimaces, you know, he's, he said that that was real pain. I broke my rib and it, you know, it, it really, really hurt. So there was a real moment that, you know, was in the film. And also with the, the, the police car chase, they had a lot of trouble when he's on the motorbike and he's chasing them. And there's that bit where the car um, slides down the bank and turns over. Well, that was a real unplanned moment. And the stunt driver actually got quite badly uh, injured to the point that, you know, he really injured his back. So, but they kept, they liked the scene. They kept it the scene in and they pulled the stunt driver out and then they put the, you know, teasel uh, back in to come out of the car. So that was actually kind of a real moment that they integrated into the film. Yeah, and then one other. I didn't know the driver, the stunt driver, actually got hurt. I didn't know that, but I mean, I I, I hate to say it like this. That is what they get paid for. They're the stunt, they're the stunt man. You know, they they're the one taking the chances and all these things. You don't want to see anybody get hurt, obviously. But I didn't know that. I mean, there's just all kinds of problems so far. Who else got hurt? (laughs) Uh, Well, just we want we want to keep this happy and positive. But on the subject of getting hurt for the film, that scene where uh, John Rambo goes into the mine and then they blow it up. The, you know, the uh, weekend warriors blow it up and he runs deeper in. There's the scene where he has to kind of pass by a whole bunch of rats. And uh, first of all, uh, Stallone is actually claustrophobic. So he wasn't a big fan of filming that. 
And secondly, he said those rats really did bite him, the little git. <laughs> they, so he actually got bitten by those rats in that scene. So he wasn't too happy about that. I'm, I'll be like, no, no, stunt man. Yeah. Stunt man. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. No, it's all right. It, uh, I, I know this is off topic and everything, but you, since you brought up the rats, um, I, I don't know what's worse. All those rats right there. No, I do know what's worse. Indiana Jones with all the snakes. Oh, uh, there's no way. There's no way. The rats are a close second of no. I don't think so. The snakes are number one. You'll never get me close to that. But anyway, that's something else altogether. Very true. Another classic uh, animal moment in the 80s films. The right. snakes. And, you know, they make you feel like in Rambo, like when he's in the cave, they make you feel like he traveled a good distance just to get out. And really and truly, when you look in the when you're watching the movie, he comes out right over there behind where they are. It's not that far he goes at all, really. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, no. that's right. And well, one thing I always thought might have been an error in the editing there is he comes out and it's kind of daylight, but then it cuts to the town and, you know, uh, the lieutenant's going to have a drink with um, with the police officer and it's kind of like nighttime, but, you know, spinning hair is a little bit of editing inconsistency. So that's kind of like having one shirt on in one scene. He's That's got right, a green yeah. shirt on in one screen, but he's got a purple shirt on in this screen, and back to this one, it's green again. You That's know, right, so right. It's, it's some small inconsistencies that people pick up on that they miss in the editing room. Well, Those are always fun to find. Though. These are the things that you can uh, you pick up when you watch a movie like fifty times. You like <laughs> mm -hmm. start to see these uh, small little things. Right now, I mean, he practically destroys this town. It feels like at least part of it. I mean, he's blown up a gas station, right? He's shooting up the sheriff's office. He is really going at it now. He's he's he told him in the woods when he took all the officers down that he could have killed them. He could have killed them all, but he didn't. He goes, "Let it go." Uh, he 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 would bring what? Well, how did he order? He'd bring a war to him. He couldn't that he wouldn't forget or that he couldn't handle or something. Just let yeah. it go. Yeah, he says so in town. In, in town, it's the law. Out here, it's me. Don't push it. I'll give you a war you won't believe. There you go. That's it right there. And that's yeah. it. And then, and, and, but he, he forewarns him and he doesn't listen. So he takes it to him. He pays yeah. for it, you know, dearly. But I mean, he took it to him. And, uh, you know, the guy still lived, I believe, didn't he? I don't remember for sure. I didn't see him first, but why did uh, the sheriff live at the end of it? That's right. Yeah. Like I say, the only person who actually dies in the first film is the. Galt who falls out of the helicopter. Nobody else died, so you know the the, the kill count for the first uh, Rambo film is uh, only one. <laughs> now, going into the second uh, Rambo movie, uh, we mentioned earlier about soundtracks and stuff. Uh, maybe not a soundtrack part. What I'm about to bring up, but music <laughs> in general, um, the music they have introing the start of the movie just gives chills up and down my spine every time I watch it. I don't know how to explain why it does, or I can't explain to the to the people who might be listening how it sounds without having a sound bite. And unfortunately, I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's just yeah. really, really cool sound of music to it that builds you up, and then it then it jumps straight to the the rock quarry where they're at, an explosion, and all that stuff. Um, so he gets a second chance now. 
you know, he's had his his, his bad deeds in the first one. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, unless you've got more good facts from the first one now, do you have any more no, good no, no, facts? No, no, I, 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 I've done all my facts for the first one, so it's good to move okay, on to okay. the Just yeah. want to make sure. Well, I don't want to miss anything because those were good earlier. So the yeah, second no, one, he's, he's going to get a second chance in this next movie now. He's uh, I don't know how much time he's done already exactly, but how much? Yeah. Eight years. It was eight years that he's in there? Okay. Yeah. He yeah. wants to know if a Troutman shows up. Does he want to get a second chance? There's something coming up he could use him for, and there might be a presidential pardon in it. Are you interested? And mm-hmm. I guess he determines that, you know, even though he knows where he stands, where he's at, you don't want to be there forever. So he goes in and accepts the job, and they get him out. They take him to Thailand. That's right. Yeah, and I so think, you know, the, uh, the obviously First Blood, you know, this is where we truly unleash the real john rambo the one-man army with you know right. no this is where we really learn a lot about him now he was literally just trying to minding his own business he really didn't want any trouble uh you know they say you know the first film was about him and his survival the second film rambo first blood part two it's rambo for his country and then in rambo three it's for his friend he has to rescue his friend so this film really is john rambo you know, reigniting America and, 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 and taking on, you know, the Vietnam War single-handedly and rewriting history. Right. That's why in the movie, when he asks him, like your shirt says, do we get to win this time? Troutman yeah. looks at him and goes, this time it's up to you. Yeah. You know, now, I, so. I think this is a really profound moment because, you know, uh, you, you know you're American, you have American viewers. I don't want to step on any toes or anything, but the reality was America, Vietnam War for America, it wasn't a, a great outcome. And mm-hmm. essentially, John oh, no. Randall is going to rewrite that line, do we get to win this time? This time it's up to you. He's going to take on history. He's going to rewrite history, make America great, and re-win this war single-handedly. It's quite a significant, profound uh, moment there. You know, John Stallone's kind of rewriting the history books a little bit. Now, I know it's a fictional story, but... This is the essence right. of you know what it's about. It's it's the only film in the Rambo series to be nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it uh, also now there was a little bit of uh, I don't know, I don't know if I should say tension or what there was with it, but the co-writer was James Cameron. That's right. Part that's, two. A big, that's a big part of the. Um, the story of uh you know the john rambo and there's some really interesting um tie-ins to that so yeah jim cameron was kind of um trying to find his feet he hadn't done anything big i think he was maybe doing terminator at the same time or he was about to do terminator so he wasn't big at the time he wasn't this big amazing movie producer that we all now know so he'd, mm-hmm. he'd written this script um for uh, for for the film and, you know, Stallone kind of rewrote a lot of what he'd written. But interestingly enough, you know, we, you mentioned about um, Chuck Norris and, and his character, I think it was James Braddock. Now, when you watch those two films, Missing in Action and Rambo First Blood Part Two, they are so similar. You know, you've got this lone warrior going in. He's got the M60s blasting everyone. The story is so similar. And that's because... Uh, the Michigan action film is also very heavily based on, on Jim Cameron's script. So hence, they're similar. And, and you might watch uh, Michigan in action and think, hey, th- this is just a Rambo ripoff. 
But the reality is they actually got uh, missing in action came out first to avoid any kind of legal uh, disputes of copywriting. But I just like the fact that they're very, uh, very, very similar films and they both relate to James Cameron as um, the scriptwriters. I'm going to read a little tidbit to you here off IMDb under the trivia for this movie. Uh, it says co-writer James Cameron claims that he only wrote the first draft of the script and that Stallone made many changes to it. Cameron had originally paired Rambo with a humorous sidekick and had fleshed out the prisoners of war with elaborate backstories that were to be revealed over the course of the film. However, Stallone reportedly didn't like that the sidekick got all the cool dialogue and also scrapped most of the POW's backstories to the point where Cameron claimed that they might, they might as well have gotten to the jungle to pick up a six-pack of beer. When the <laughs> film was released, <laughs> the political content of the movie was considered controversial, with many feeling that the Vietnam War was altered to look and sound heroic. Cameron commented that he only wrote the action and Stallone wrote the politics. Yeah, so I cool. think there's a little bit of a um, little bit of tension between the two there when it comes to the writing of the movie, and well, I, I, I guess I can agree with not wanting a humorous sidekick. I mean, would you have liked it the same if Rambo had a funny sidekick with him instead of having Co that was there, you know, helping along? No way, man. No way. I mean, Rambo's a one man army. He's going in there alone. That's the essence of Rambo character. But going a bit deeper to what you just shared, um, interestingly, the, the sidekick that they had planned was actually John Travolta. Uh, so uh, <laughs> he was potentially going to be the sidekick to, could you imagine him dancing through the jungle, you know, doing some staying alive moves? Yeah. No. Oh, the best decision they ever made, you know, to make oh. Rambo the lone wolf soldier, you know, no sidekick. Oh. But I think they did it nicely but with the with the female, um, you know, the, the, the female operative that he meets. And it's really cool how they integrated in that little bit of hope that they were going to run off to America and maybe live this life together. And and then, of course, that all ends terribly. And that just refires the real John Rambo to reap carnage on on the world. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, and I really like what he did to the one that got the kill shot on Co. He seen the guy run off. He knew who he was. And yeah. when he spots him again later, it's like he's got this one arrow waiting for him. Sure. And puts yeah. the explosive tip on it. He takes his time to put the explosive tip on as the guy is shooting his pistol at him and missing badly. And then pulls <laughs> it back and aims, and the guy is trying to run off. And at first, it looks like the guy's probably a quarter mile away. It looks like, you know, it looks like such a far distance. Then when they show him running, it looks like he might be 50 yards away. It's not that far. Sure. Then they go yeah, back well, to know, him far away again, and then he releases of, the arrow. A little bit of in inconsistency there, you know. We'll, we'll let it slide. But, yeah, I mean, that mo that scene where he, he uses one arrow, he's blowing up whole villages and trucks with those arrows, and then he's got, he uses one just for that... Uh, that soldier, yeah. and he, he blows to, uh, to absolutely a great moment. Hey, 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 <laughs> and, and this is him without a lot of his equipment, too. I mean, I, I, when he was jumping out of the plane and he got hung up, uh, I, they said he cut away his equipment. Now, I guess I know for sure the camera was included in it because he didn't have the camera to use to take pictures because he's only supposed to take pictures when he went to bring back proof that there were POWs, and then they would send in Troutman and his team to bring them back. 
that was the word. So he gets hung up, but he's as he's jumping out of the plane, the strap, uh, something happens with the strap where he gets hung up, but he's banging up against the side of the plane. It's, it's tearing him up, and he finally cuts loose his equipment to make it easier for him to break away free from the plane. So sure. I'm, I'm wondering, and I just watched this today, too. This is really pitiful that I can't just pull this out of thin air. He cuts away his equipment. Did he keep his bow and everything on him? As he's well, jumping, I mean, right. I think at one point I remember him putting the bow together. Sure. Yeah, look, it's yeah. a very good point. And actually, you know, it's one of the things I was going to talk about is the fact that, you know, he was due to insert at that point and then he gets hung up. And this is a jet flying along. And the, the amount of ground that he would have gone past his target mm-hmm. drop point, that's a long way to head back and also navigate his way back. So, A, it's the distance he would have had to have backtracked. And B, the fact that all of his equipment would have essentially been in that bag and he essentially lost it. But, hey, he is John Rambo. And let he say he he went back and he found that along the way. You know, let's give him some credit because he is this, you know, super Green Beret ultimate uh, uh, reconnaissance soldier. So we got to give him the benefit of, of the doubt there. Right. Hey, I'm not going to complain about it. You made a good point to me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were talking about this. You said they never really reveal Rambo's rank. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, again, you know, I, I watched all the films again because you invited me on the show. And, I, you know, and I've watched those films for years. And I just had this realization is that we never actually know his precise military rank. So they refer to Colonel Troutman and, you know, all, a few other soldiers, you, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Podofsky, that you always, you hear ranks of other people, but all we know is John Rambo, you know, is, you know, he's Green Beret, long range military reconnaissance, uh, you know, but we never actually know what rank he achieved. Now, if military guys watching, I'm sure I have heard that you could decipher his rank from all the medals that he achieved, and you could potentially ascertain the rank that he achieved from the level of medals that he won. So there's something, if you've got any military uh, followers who are watching the show, maybe they can pop in the comment box and figure out what rank he was. But to us, hey, uh, there you go. everyday folk, we will essentially will never know. <laughs> right. There you go. Well, when, when we, when we release this, I will put on there. Hey, if anybody can tell us, put it up sure. there. Yeah. So that'll be great piece of trivia. Hey, I just had a great idea. Why don't you pose that as a question for your fans and whoever gets it right um, or proposes the best answer, I'll send them a T-shirt. Oh, we can do that. We can, we'll can. we put yeah. it out there. We'll do that. Yeah, uh, now, how, now, I started to say, because you said who gives us you know the best sounding answer. I mean, there's no way really, since we don't know what he is, we can't really say for sure. We can't verify is. it. But, you know, we, can re- we can figure out, oh, this guy's giving us a really – comprehensive answer like you know we can tell from the right. way somebody asks the question you know what i mean exactly yeah. well, you guys heard the, you guys heard the man you give us the absolute best answer descriptive to what rank he is based on his medals and such and he will send you a free t-shirt cool we go we go from there that's awesome so you guys got something to look forward to uh the um, I was gonna say, oh, I was gonna say a second ago, uh, uh, people bringing new people in. David Caruso in the first one, they introduced him, he became a star later. In this one, we have Martin Cove. Uh, I don't think Martin Cove had really been in a lot of anything at this point. He's always just you know the the helicopter pilot, 
Yeah. Uh, but he gets, but he, he does get some dialogue in it though, and you yeah, see yeah, him on yeah. some some pretty decent screen time for somebody who's an, uh, not really an extra but a minor character. Uh, and he goes on to do things like Karate Kid, Karate Kid Two, Steel Justice, and a few other things. I thought for sure that he was going to be somebody in the eighties, not a major action star, but a secondary type action star, maybe like a Lorenzo Lamas or something like he did. But he didn't really, you know, pan out himself. Uh, yeah, no, other well, than just the Karate Kid, the Karate Kid was the biggest thing he's known for. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, it's probably it's probably like a lot of actors. You kind of see them and you never see them again. You think, oh, they didn't do much. But if you look at, if you read up, they've actually done quite a lot of work. Uh, and I think right. I'm pretty sure he was in a cop show called Cagney and Lacey because I used to watch that, and I'm pr pretty sure he was a police officer oh. on that show. You know yeah. what? I think you may be right. And I got to find out now for sure. I do. I have to know. I have to know. But I think I think you're right though. Yeah. And he has done it. You're correct. He has done a ton of stuff, whether it be documentaries or movies or whatever the case may be, uh, just certain videos that's been released. Um, I, and it may not be major parts either. I mean, he's got parts in video games, it looks like, too, where they've done cutscenes in video games and such. I'm seeing sure. things like that on there as well. You said Cagney and Lacey. That's back in the 80s, right? Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. he's on. He's he's been on Chips. He's been on Barnaby Jones. He's uh, Quincy, Starsky and Hutch, uh, The Incredible Hulk, Charlie's Angels, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Rockford Files. So oh, yeah, Files. yeah, cool. Yeah, Kojak. He's been on all these things back in the day. And as far as Cagney and Lacey goes, oh, that sounds so familiar. Um, but if that's the case. Oh, yep, there he is. 82 through 88. You nailed it. That's there him. He's go. in there. Yeah. So, Victor is Becky. His character name. That's cool, though. <laughs> pick, you yeah. know, good pickup. Yeah, and then uh, talking about actors and that, uh, another big one that uh, trivia from uh, First Blood Part 2 is uh, Dolph, as you know, Dolph Lundgren was due to be uh, cast in that film. Uh, yes. I think he was going to, I don't know if he was going to play uh, Lieutenant Petovsky or the big Russian. That probably would have been, uh, you know, Sergeant Yushin. That probably would have been more appropriate. But the story I think goes. It was uh, I think it was I think so. The story goes that Stallone was filming Rocky Four at the time and he really wanted him for the character for that film. So he essentially you know, encouraged him to quit, uh, you know, the first blood and head over to Rocky Four. But, yeah, that would have been pretty cool seeing Dolph Lundgren as Sergeant Yushin. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, here we go. I found it. Dolph Lundgren was initially signed as Russian Lieutenant Colonel Podovsky. Oh, was there you go. He, he was him. So I realized it was the same man who was going to be in Rocky Four, so they paid off the contract. Yeah. Uh, now, the guy that played Podovsky, Stephen Burkoff, uh, was in Beverly Hills Cop. He played Victor Maitland in Beverly Hills Cop as well. Absolutely, yeah, another one of my favorite 80s films. And, and I've got a really cool piece of uh, trivia on uh, Stephen Barkoff. Is I actually bumped into him in England on a train because the, the town that I grew up in had a you know, pretty significant theater for the country, and he was on, on his way down to Plymouth to do some show. So uh, there he was, Lieutenant Podovsky, uh, sitting uh, in, in the train, mm -hmm. and, you know, that was pretty cool. And I, 
I, I didn't want to speak to him in case he wanted to uh, get me to radio headquarters and tell him I've been captured and condemned for espionage activities. <laughs> That's cool. It's it's always fun you know running into somebody or seeing somebody like that, even if you know it's a planned thing at a comic con or something. It's still cool when you come up on those people and you see them face to face for the first time. But an yeah, accidental right. meeting, though, that's going to be the best ever, right there. That's right. Like, yeah, it, it really was. You know, especially it's just a random, out of the blue place you never would have thought. You know, so. for me, I would have been so caught off guard. Um, I when I was younger, just uh, past my teenage years, just out of high school. Um, like a lot of people over here, one of my first jobs was a grocery store. Ah, uh, sure. So yeah. you, you work, you know, 20, 25 hours a week at a grocery store um, for this one particular company in town. Um, and a couple different country artists, uh, three, uh, three country music artists frequented that store shopping. And I didn't know what to think about that because I've never been around anybody that's famous before on an everyday basis. And they would come in. Uh, one of them was, if you've ever heard of the man Ray Stevens, uh, he's country music, does uh, comedy type stuff like the Mississippi Squirrel Revival or oh, sure, uh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Streak, you know, the, they call him the Streak. Uh, uh, he comes in, he would come in there, but the man would walk in with his head down all the time like he's looking at the floor. He didn't want to make eye contact with nobody because he's afraid they would talk to him. Uh, I guess he wanted his, you know, you know, even though they're stars, they like to have their privacy, right? So, you know, you respect it in your way. But I I was just thinking to myself one day, I saw him, like you're saying, you're you're seeing this other guy. I'm thinking, I want to walk up to him and go, yeah, did. (laughs) Because that's the famous question that, sir, in the street, did you see the man? Did you see the man? And he'd always look at him, that goofy head on. He'd be like, yeah, did. (laughs) Just to see what he he would say, you know. And I I never built up the nerve to do it. I I couldn't do it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, just on the subject, you know, we're going a bit off track from uh, Rambo, but in t- just in terms of bumping into movie stars, I actually used to work in a in a gym in London, uh, which was pretty high end. It was in a, pr- a fa- fancy uh, hotel on Park Lane, and um, I, I, I nearly bowled over Emilio Estevez. He came down into the club, and I was kind of rushing around to do something. Uh, a little timid guy had his hands in his pockets, and I nearly knocked the dude over. And then I, I kind of backtracked, and I thought, geez, that's Emilio Estevez. <laughs> how popular so, yeah. was he at the time? Sorry? Uh, how popular was he at the time when you see him there? Like, uh, what, what have you well, done the, at the time? That was the 90s. So, you know, he did a lot of big stuff through the 80s, you know, young guns and everything. So, you know, he was pretty, pretty big himself. So, yeah, it was, it was cool to see him in the club. But it, like you said, it's just fun to bump into, you know, uh, famous people on the streets. Yeah. It is. And don't worry about to getting off track. Every every episode I have, we get off track at one point. It's expected, I think. I mean, if I don't go off track, the listener is yeah. going to be like, what's the problem this week? Where's the additional entertainment? Uh, but it's cool. It's good. Uh, what did we leave off at in part two? I didn't lost track of where we left off at. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we were kind of talking about, uh, if we went back, we were kind of talking about how, uh, you know, he's in the radio room and he's uh, telling Murdoch yes. he's going to, and the, the, the big breakout, yes. you know, which literally is one of the most uh, climactic moments of the film where he does this single-handed escape and the chase and they're, 
then he starts basically taking out all the soldiers one by one you know he's hiding in the mud he's hiding in the water you know he's doing everything to take out these soldiers so, you know, right. a great part of the film right i thought uh, one of my favorite parts that was him coming out of the mud he's leaned up oh, against yeah. the wall mud covered him then you see the eye open he's like oh gotcha you know yeah. and he gets him from there um a, a ridiculous kill in that same sequence however he pulls the guy down a hill and the yeah. guy can just move. Yeah, it's like he can't say nothing. He can't scream. He can't yell. He can't alert nobody. It's like he's scared to death, petrified that something is pulling him down this little slope. I thought that was yeah. kind of Yeah, well, but, that's very true. You, you know, why isn't he scream, you know, yelling out to his colleagues, you know, so, but right. hey, you know, he, he was in shock. He, he, you know, shock does crazy things to you. We'll give him Again, benefit of the doubt. Right. So, I mean, the best part about the whole movie, obviously, is after he's caught in the radio room breakout, he breaks free. He's taking everybody out. He has uh, basically circled back around. He's got him a, a well, not really. Well, yeah, because he's taken the helicopter over and he circled back around. He's, he's blowing up the camp, um, taking out everything he can. He's, he's blown up basically a village. That he ran through and burned the fields, uh, trapping a lot of the soldiers within there. I mean, he's really getting—I don't want to say creative, but I mean, he's he's killing in many different ways. Uh, and then gets all the POWs to the helicopter. One of them getting shot by a guy. You think you're going to get away scot free, and one of the Russian guys pops back up and you know gets one of them and get to the helicopter. He takes him out. Do you think they're getting away at this point? But no, you've sure. still forgotten. You have forgotten uh, Podovsky. He's, he's still out there. He That's comes right. back around, sees he's blown up the village. Hey, no, he, he knows he hasn't passed him going the other way, so he's got to be going this way. Takes off after him, and it looks like he has pretty much shot the copter down. Like, it's circling around. It's having troubles. He comes over this little thing. It's sitting down there. You know, thing's still turning, but it's just sitting on the ground like it's grounded now. And uh, it looks like maybe... He's done the damage to him. Then suddenly he pops up out of nowhere in his seat, Rambo does, with a rocket launcher. Where'd the rocket launcher come from, by the way? With a rocket launcher. <laughs> Did he pull that one out of his back pocket or something? Or I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it was already on the helicopter. That's what we're going to go with for story yeah. purposes. But uh, also, I mean, sorry, is that classic? He blows him up and it's all great and everything. We're done with him. He's, he's gone. But yeah, classic. Really? It's a classic moment in the action films where the bad guy has the good guy on the ropes and it's just like, just kill him. And it's like, he yeah. should have flown into smithereens with that massive gunship and his arm to the teeth with missiles. He should have just blown him up. But now nah, he was too hung up on his ego or whatever. And he, 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 and he buys it. He's out of there. He's, he's gone. Right. And you've heard the term tropes before, I'm sure. There's the little movie tropes and TV tropes, things that happen a lot. Every movie you look at, there's the same thing going on. That's one of those situations. It's one of those things that happens all the time. You said the, the, the bad guy's got the victory in hand. All he has to do is go ahead and just finish it, but he wants to gloat for a minute. Uh, yeah, you see it even... It's yeah. not just the 80s either. It's not just the 80s. It carries forward. Uh, and in all types of films, go to a sci-fi type film like Star Wars when they did the Phantom Menace at the end of it, when the bad guy looks like he's got both of the Jedi's defeated, 
he's gloating up top, just smacking the top with his lightsaber, thinking, I got you, I got you, you know. And the next thing you know, the good guy flips up out of nowhere over him, pulls a lightsaber with the force from across the room, slices him in half at the waist, so he falls in two pieces down this pit. And you're like, Yeah, well, you had it, dude. Funny you raise that particular scene because I'm actually a massive Star Wars fan myself, and yeah, that actually that that fight scene between Darth Maul and the two Jedi's, you know, Darth Maul, yeah, he's he's got the most epic um, Sith Lord ever, and he was so skilled with that lightsaber. It was like there is no way those two Jedi were going to beat him. He was he had him. So that moment where he, you know, he's paused and he's like, "Oh, come on, he should have beat these guns." <laughs> I read about that particular scene. In a, they said in now, if you read the book for Phantom Menace, which I did not, but I, I read this little tidbit online. But in the book, it, it talks about him. He is he's celebrating in his mind that he has defeated Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan. Now he's taking them both out. And he's celebrating in his mind to the point where he has a temporary lapse with his focus in the Force and mm -hmm. does not pick up and detect that Obi-Wan is in the process mm -hmm. of bringing himself up and flipping over him and calling for the sword, laying yeah. over next to Qui-Gon and, and killing him. So there's like a little temporary lapse. As they explain it there. But in the movie, wow. when you watch it, you're like, how did you let that get by you? And, you yeah. know, and that is great. Uh, I had um, uh, a guy on the show recently. I had just special effects and he did special effects for the uh, re-release of star wars a new hope um that oh, came okay. out in 97 and he got to play boba fett oh at, sure yeah at the landing where they talked to uh, han solo when jabba the hutt shows up and everything so yeah, he was yeah. talking about that movie and he said the same thing i did when you were at the theater the crowd went nuts when uh, all, all you see in the preview is the one side of the lightsaber for Darth Maul, but when he's in the in the movie at the end, he pulls that blade out. When he flips it sideways and that second one comes out, I mean, people just blew the roof off the place. Because oh, it's yeah. It's the most so, epic lightsaber. I love Darth Maul and that double-bladed lightsaber. Absolutely movie gold there. And, and again, you know, we've gone off tangent, but I've got to share what uh, the whole star wars films one of my absolute favorite moments is in phantom menace where he's fighting those two jedi and he's kind of backing up to get his ground to fight them and he just uses the force and he kind of grabs a piece of rubbish hanging out and he throws it to the the console to open the doors and he backs through that right. small moment oh i'm getting shivers just thinking about it and sharing it with you right now it's just absolutely those tiny moments those little moments is for me as well really make a film you know not the big it, it is. the detail the little things yes it is the little things like that and I, I'll, I'll say one more thing about it then we'll jump back to rainbow game because we got uh, three to get on here uh yeah. when it comes to when it comes to star wars when they did the most recent thing on disney with obi-wan kenobi the series they did when you see him fighting darth vader yet again now, well, Anakin now is Vader. And you see how strong, we know how strong Vader is and what he's done. Uh, you see how strong Obi-Wan really was with the Force. It's, it's like it comes back to him full force at this point. He is using, I mean, not only is he doing with the lightsaber like he was always well known for doing, but he is picking up tons of rock and throwing it at him, pelting him with a rock storm with the force and using the force to knock things over on him while he's sword. And it's, it's those little things right there that made me 
really Chill. love that series that they put out. It started off a little slow at first because you got to build up his story of what happened with him, but they finished that strong, and that's a lot of the things that we like. And Chill. that that's even the same. You can say that for any movie. Uh, but certainly. back to but back to Rambo. I, I know, like I said, we're expected to get off track, so it's cool. But uh, back yeah. to Rambo. So he uh, he's got uh, this thing. Go ahead. I was going to say just on the note then of the little things. There is a little thing in Rambo uh, First Blood Part Two, which I do love as well, and that's where they're they're doing the chasing the choppers, and you know Potosky's in the gunship, Rambo's in the Bell helicopter, and you see that scene where part of the gunship falls away and it kind of misses some you know local peasants who cower from it. So that was actually a production error. So that that they created, they bolted on all this stuff onto this helicopter to look at make it look. Uh, Bit beefy and mightier. So in production, a bit of it actually fell off during filming. But the get the director loved that. He had think it added realism, to, you know, to the fight scene. That you know they were gunning yeah. at each other, and this bit of what? the chopper falls away. And again, it's just a nice yeah. small touch that adds a bit of uh, you know real essence to the to the to the chase scene. I like that. Well, part I mean, they make you think they shoot that part off of it. Because they're firing yeah. the gun at that yeah, copter, yeah. and you feel like yeah, they've yeah. blown that thing off of it and it fell. So it gives that's it a good, right. a good realism filter. That's great. Yeah, no, exactly right. You know, I love, I love again. It's another example of the little moments just adding, you know, real uh, weight and significance to the to the production. Yep. And then we finally get our payoff. He he's he is destroyed. Podolsky is with the rocket launcher. He is flying back in. He's making his call to the you know back to the base he's letting them know he's coming in need a paramedics there he's got pow's with him and when they announce it you see the look on charles napier's face for his character and trapman like i told you so (laughs) you know i told you he's coming um and he he lands and then you see martin cove walked up to him and i i couldn't make i couldn't make up my mind if he was being oh gosh Maybe not sar- well, maybe partially sarcastic, part smart aleck. You know, we're glad you made it. And he, he's the one person he's seen flying the copter when they left him the first time. So he knew sure. he was involved with that. So yeah, he, I mean, was he was going to get it. That was smart or sincere. I can't tell, but he, he took he took a, a, a good couple of shots there from him. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he was big. I think he was sincere. He's obviously like, oh, damn it. You know, this guy's come back. I better be nice to him. And, you know, I think he, he got off pretty lightly. He got a gun in the groin. You know, he got off, he got off lightly there. <laughs> yes. And then yeah. we get the big payoff day, and he goes in. He shoots up all that expensive equipment, the military equipment they got for him, blows it all to pieces, finishes off the last few rounds of shooting in the air and screaming bloody murder, throws the gun down, takes off in the office, opens the curtain up, and there he is behind the desk. He's like, no, Rambo. Yeah. Like you, I take orders too, you know, and uh, I didn't, I didn't want to do it, you know. He, he, he already knew he lied to him to begin with at the first movie because the, the company he said he was with wasn't where he said they were. And That's then right. he heard the recording of where he called him back anyway. He heard the recording of him aborting the mission and everything. So, and then you get the quick little payoff with him, you know, stabbing the down by the table by his head and say there's more of them out there you go find them or i'll find you yeah that's like sure. give you a little chill right there you know like oh yeah that was good yeah. uh, but uh, just one um one thing I, I think is kind of funny about the end of the film beyond that is when mm-hmm. he walks out 
side and he's kind of the film starting to wind down this is before he does his big speech you know you see that bell helicopter that he's just flown in on that he's actually flown in on then you see it it's just like this collapsed piece of junk like it's completely yeah. flattened out there's black smoke firing out of it there's fire everywhere it's like i think they went a bit over the top with uh, making it look wrecked but hey and then they, they, they want to give you that extra feeling like he got there just in time, you know, before it fell yeah, apart. He, he just sure made did. it. And, and then, of course, you know, the classic scene where, you know, he blows away all the so-called technology that was supposed to serve him. And, and you know, that they uh, that scene, they, they only had one take at it. It took them hours to set up all the special effects charges. And he just had to march in, take his position and start firing his gun with the blanks in time with the sequence of the of the explosions going off so they had one take for that they weren't going to redo it but uh, they sure nailed it it's an absolutely brilliant scene brilliant part of the film it was and this movie in my opinion had the best i'm not gonna say the best ending but it had the best um one of the best scenes from all of the movies that are rambo related um when Troutman's asking him when he's leaving, you know, where will you go? He said, I don't know. He says, well, you know, how will you live? And he says, day by day. And he says, you know, he's telling him something along the lines of, uh, don't hate your, you know, don't hate your country for this or something. And then he goes off on this little tangent, this little speech. And I'm going to insert a audio clip here for the people to hear this little speech so give me just a second the war everything that happened here may be wrong but damn it don't hate your country for it hey i die for it and what is it you want i want what they want and every other guy who came over here and spilt his guts and gave everything he had once for our country to love us as much as we love it. That's what I want. It's really powerful bit when what he says, and he, he delivers it real well, I thought. Yeah, and I think Sly gets really uh, slammed by the critics, you know, for, you know, kind of producing these cheesy action films. But he just doesn't get enough credit for being, I mean, he writes, stars and directs most of his films, but he's a great actor. You know, he's producing action movies here. He's not producing Shakespeare. But that scene where he does that speech and also the one in First Blood where he says nothing is over, you know, nothing, you just mm -hmm. don't turn her off. You know, right. two great parts of that really conclude the film brilliantly. And he really is, in my opinion, of course, I'm a fan. That is good acting, man. I, can, you, I don't want to accept anyone saying, you know, he's, he's a rubbish actor. He is a good actor yeah. and he puts so much into his roles. And, and actually, just a little tidbit, like we kind of skipped it from First Blood. But it, it, back at the end of the film, when he's doing the kind of, he's, he's kind of almost crying. He's talking about Vietnam and how... You know, his, his colleague was, you know, blown up by a shoe bomb. But that was actually a real-life event from a real-life um, 
soldier from Vietnam he spoke to. And he's integrated that into the story, into it, to give it that sense of realism. Like, this is the stuff these soldiers went through, you know, this kind of counterterrorism towards their activity in the country. So, you know, there's a lot of depth in these little speeches that he makes, you know. I mean, I think it's great. I love it. Look, at the end of the first one, if you're going to talk about a, a better scene, the end of the first one is a better all-around scene at the end of it than it is at the end of the second one. But I thought that the little speech he gave at the end of the second one was a little more powerful to just because of, you know, it it, it, it paints a clear picture of the disrespect that, yeah. you know, war, Vietnam War veterans definitely received when they came back home. I mean, yeah. and you've seen actual videos of them being spit on and things thrown at them and people booing them and yelling at them and not wanting yeah. to do with them and then and trying to get back in the workplace and getting disrespected there and not getting jobs and can't exactly. find places and finding themselves homeless and roaming from town to town, state to state. Some of them were fortunate. Some of them were not. But yeah. that, that, that scene at the end of First Blood was very strong, too, and very, very emotional. Uh, yeah, and I think... Um, Slide does that really well. Uh, if you think about it, yes, in um, very well, was it what, what was the Rocky movie? Was it was it just called Balboa? Oh. Uh, he's fighting uh, the the very last fight that he ever did as a Rocky movie. Oh, it was yeah. like this, essentially Rocky Six is what it comes down to. Oh but yeah, was Rocky it, Balboa. Rocky Balboa. So he gives that speech to his son about being knocked yeah. down and getting back up, and how much it's not about what it is, how it's about how much you can take and get back up and moving forward at that kind of inspirational speech, you know, he I does those things in his movies real well. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an absolute, and it's actually nails life on the head that life is going to knock you down and you got to get up. You got to keep going. You know, it's, it's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. It's a great piece of life wisdom there, you know, but, yeah. um, now, I, I, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, I just, uh, Stallone, he always, in, he's incorporated into these movies, you know, real uh, social and political commentary. So the first film, First Blood, was really kind of highlighting the PTSD of Vietnam veterans and their mm -hmm. their struggle to integrate into society. The second right. film was kind of highlighting the fact that, you know, that there are potentially, you know, soldiers left in Vietnam and that, you know, the country should go back and get them. And then the third film, you know, Rambo 3, which we haven't got to yet, you know, he was highlighting the, the the cause of, you know, these local Afghan people, um, you know, fighting against the might of the Soviet regime, that they, these Soviets have invaded their country, and these freedom fighters were fighting to get them out of their country. And the, the film is dedicated to the, the people of Afghanistan at the time. And, you know, so he's really raising social awareness. And then and also in the fourth film, Rambo, which is set in Burma, and he's actually highlighting the plight of the Burmese people and how many people were killed yes. in the civil war and the fact these current rebels were trying to fight these regimes. Again, he, he is raising awareness, you know, very it, through entertainment to make people aware of social issues that they might not have been aware of before. So it is not just some, you know, muscle bound action killing spree film. There is actually a bit more depth to these films. Absolutely. Absolutely, and he does it in such a great way. Uh, the third movie, the third Rambo, to me, is the one movie I don't really remember him having one of those little, you know, 
speeches or uh, moments at the end of the movie. It was just him and Troutman leaving. Now, the, the closest they come to it is the Afghan people, the, the, the kid and the one guy that worked with it that, that, that helped him get Troutman asking, could he not stay? And the kid was like, you know, can you not stay? And he's he, it's like he's thinking about it for a second. And he determines, you know, no, I can't. I got to go on. I got to move on. And um, yeah. I, it, they don't really they don't really give you an idea, really, or a hint of what he's got ahead of him at this yeah. point. Just like at the end of the second one, how are you going to live day by day, wherever you go? I don't know. It's kind of like this, but they're leaving together, and I, they don't really give you an idea of what's going to happen at this point. There's no no real closure on it. But you kind of feel like at the same time, since there's no real closure on it, that there might be more to come. And yeah. we're already at the third one, and trilogies are a big thing. So you're thinking, well, that's the third one. That's the trilogy. We probably won't see no more Rambo. And we didn't for a little while. It took a little while before we did another one, if you remember, uh, before Rambo itself came out. So... Um, but like you mentioned earlier, uh, the third one was about rescuing the friend. Yeah. Troutman tries to get him to go in with him. Uh, he finds him, sees the stick fighting going on, sees him at the monastery, uh, tries to talk him into going with him. Uh, Kurtwood Smith is asking him, you know, about, you know, can you help out? This is what's going on. The Afghan people are fighting hard against them for this. Your women, children. Families are being destroyed and all this good stuff. He's laying it out for him, but he doesn't want to go. He says he has to sometime he has to quit. You know, the moment in this movie that I guess we had for a, I don't know if it's inspirational, but a good dramatic type moment is when Troutman explains to Rambo about the story about the artist who takes the special rock, the special stone home, and he chisels away at it until he finally gets the masterpiece and the people are congratulating him on making the masterpiece. And he tells them it was always there. I just chipped away the rough edges and he tells him you've always been this, this, you know, this guy, this, this warrior, this soldier, you've always been that. I just chipped away the rough edges, Sure. but he wants to quit. He doesn't want to go back. So he still declines, tells me, sorry, but it's got to end sometime for him. Troutman goes anyway, gets caught and they come back and tell Rambo he gets caught. Well, he, I, I guess it had been dwelling on him as a character since they left. Maybe he should have went. Now he hears they're captured and he goes, well, what about me? You got to send me in now. I, I'm going to go. And one of the things I liked about when he gets over there, he's just got this stone cold look on his face. You know, he just, he's, he's going to take it to somebody. And the guy's like, you know, you know, are you, uh, are you uh, special forces? He's like, no. He says, well, are you a mercenary? He's like, no. He says, well, what are you, a tourist? And he's like, yeah, I'm not a tourist. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, right. There's a great line there. He says, you know, have you got any military, like any military experience or something? He says, I fired a few shots. <laughs> yeah, I fired a few shots. <laughs> a few yeah. shots. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that was great. I, but and of course, you touched on the humor earlier. He gives him his stuff. You know, what's this? It's a blue stick. What does it do? It turns blue. Yeah. Uh, he didn't get a great deal of stuff in that package. He had a few explosives to help break him out of the prison. He had the blue sticks for whatever. I don't know why, he, other than the fact he, he, I guess you see later how he used the lights in the dark tunnel and things of that nature. Maybe that was the plan, knowing the terrain and a lot of caves and everything in it. He would need light of some sort. 
I guess that might be it. Um, it's I, a bit like James Bond. It's like, you know, in James Bond films, you always see, you know, the little gadgets that he's getting from Q. And then right. in the film, the gadget just so happens to be the exact gadget that he needs for that moment. And it's literally exactly that. He's taken a few things with him and, you know, and he all uses the whole lot of them. But then again, you know, hey, he's this special forces green beret he knows what he's doing and he knows what to take so you know right right (laughs) in the fortress of this one is set up i mean perfectly for it i mean it's it's like when you see the outlay of it the guy is showing him it looks like there's only one way in one way out it looks like but then he gets in to break it down for him and different things what's over here what's over there was there another way out he talks about the sewer and you can get in the sewer and come out through there instead of coming out through the, the main gate uh, going into the minefield, no one would suspect that because no one's stupid enough to go through a minefield, probably, right? But yet they're still monitoring the minefield, if you notice, if you remember, because they get the spotlight going through there. Sure. But it was it was the least patrolled area, I guess, that part. Um, yeah, I, said, so, I love it. Right, right about that, This the, the part of the film you're talking about a little bit further on is he does a bit of an Indiana Jones where he uh, goes underneath the... The, the tank and he's holding on and being dragged along the ground. You know how that, that yep. scene uh, in, I think it was uh, Raiders. Uh, I was thinking, Hey, he's copying Indiana Jones here. <laughs> I thought it was cool though, how they laid out um, some of the things like the sport they were playing. Uh, I don't, I don't recall them ever giving it a name, but they're uh, carrying yeah, the land yeah. and making a circle around and dropping it in the circle. And he goes, he asked me, he says, is it like football? He goes, what? He goes, football. He goes, you play that with your foot? He goes, well, not really. And he asked him what yeah. the point of the game is. He says, you take the, the lamb, you make a circle around, you drop it in a circle. He says, why? He goes, because there's a circle there. <laughs> you know, it's almost like payback humor for like, why do you have the blue light? What does it do? Yeah. There's blue. Uh, I looked uh, that up. That's, that's actually a, a very ancient uh, Afghan game. So that's a real game that they play where they take a goat's carcass and you got to drop it into a, you know, essentially a goal, a goal. Did it, did it have a name for it or anything or just, it's just a yeah. game. Yeah. Well, look, I did have my notes here and I, I did um, get the name of it. Um, we're just quickly going through here. Um, the, like, the stick fighting was funnily enough called Krabby Krabang. Um, but yeah, I, I can't seem to find, Oh, here we go. Horse. The game was, I don't know how you say it, you know, it's Afghani, Buzashi, B-U-Z-A-S-H-I. So that's the name. It's a centuries-old Afghan uh, sport. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. They worked it in, though. And you get to see yeah. how it's played and how it's done and all that, how they how they you know bond together through sports and things. Like you see over here, you got, like, football. Other countries are, like, bigger on soccer. Well, we call soccer. They call still call football. I mean, you you can explain maybe explain that because I know you said you're you're from England, yeah. you said, right? But living in Australia, so yeah, we, you grew up more, we, you grew we, more we, with that. In England, we we call it football. You know, you're playing with, with a ball with your foot. It's football. right. It makes sense. It makes sense, right? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know why they changed it to the term. You know, to the term soccer at one point, unless they thought it meant something different. I don't know, but that's another yeah. story on its own, I suppose. Right there. Sure, sure is. Next, <laughs> that could be another podcast right there. Why did they change it from football to soccer? Um, well, hey, uh, there's, actually, there's a great football uh, film with Stallone. Uh, it's a war yeah. film with the escape mm-hmm. one. That's cool. I love that film it's too. 
that's one of his first. That's actually the first movie of the eighties he did, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, that's one of our victory. Yeah, and I believe uh, Pele is in it too, right? Yeah. Who? Who did you say? I said. I said. I think Pele is in it too, right? That's right. Yeah, Pele. He's definitely. He's one of the. He's on the team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. And then, of course, he went to his other greats and everything. Um, But um, so when that happens, and basically the guy who is the traitor to the people who they think is with them, he's he's telling that guy that Rambo has showed up. He's coming to rescue Troutman. And they're about to just go ahead and off Troutman and get done with They're tired of him now. He said, you smarted off long enough. Basically, I'm done with you. He tells him the missiles are in his butt. <laughs> I mean, this goes kind of humorous. Uh, but he asked, who is this John Rambo? Does the name mean anything to you? Well, we're going to go welcome him, you know. So they go to the place where they know he's going to be at, and they start shooting the place up. And when he destroys the one helicopter with the gun and then disappears from it, it's like, that's it. There's nothing else going on. I, I, I guess they went ahead and left at that point. They're not shooting anything else up. Why it ended abruptly right there, I don't know. But still, uh, you get that feel like, okay, this is where it's really getting good. Now, the action's really picking up well. This is going to be one knockdown drag out fight between him and these people. When he gets to the tower for the or to the the place the first time to the fortress the first time and gets in there. They got the explosives all set and ready to go. Uh he gets in there. When he gets figured out because the the kid comes in, he has to throw that knife at the guy and he shoots his gun off and alerts the other people. That's when everything really picks up. I mean would you say or do you feel in this movie, the part three, was there a longer, consistent action sequence that you might oh, be thinking in, in, in part two? Because in yeah, part two, he's got the stuff when he's in the jungle there in Vietnam, but you got a break in between, really. And here, yeah. when he gets to the fortress the first time, it seems like it's nonstop from there and coming back, climbing up the wall and going round two. And breaking yeah, people well, out and Ram- off with a copter. Definitely, Rambo three. You know, they, every, like I said, everything gets bigger every film. He's got a bigger knife. His muscles are bigger. Rambo three. The action sequences are bigger. There's more uh, enemy soldiers to kill. They're, they're, you know, there's a lot more going on. So it definitely gets. Uh, there's more action. But what I, what I think is interesting is that the, the films are very similar. You know the. He's going in to rescue someone. He doesn't do it first time. He's got to go back in. He's got this kind of sidekick. He's kind of this innocent character. You know, in the film, it was a lady, and now he's got the boy. You know, they tried to kill him by dropping a massive bomb. They did that in First Blood Part Two. There's a fight scene with a big Russian soldier hand to hand. You know, they're kind of really rehashing a lot of elements of the same story there. But, uh, you know, it's yeah. still awesome. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the same but a little different you know i mean sure. but it's still it's still great though uh and then of course when you're uh, i didn't know exactly i remember back when this came out um and it being a part three thinking that we got the third part now we've got you know the ending we've had the beginning we've had the middle now we've got the ending of the story of rambo possibly uh him and troutman are well outnumbered uh obviously uh, and he's like, what are we going to do? And he says, surrounding them is out of the question. And, you know, no yeah. time for jokes. Aha, you know. And then he goes, well, what do you think? And he yeah. looks at him. And he gets that thing ready. He's like, F him. You know, yeah. and he blows up the first thing. 
I'm just I'm wondering why didn't you blow up the helicopter first? Yeah. Why don't they do it? Why not blow up the copter? Then they make the comment. Trap was like, "If we're gonna go, I wish we'd taken him with us first. You know. Um, yeah. And with all this going on, well, with all this going on, with the helicopter firing everything and all this explosions going on and gunfire, how do they hear the rumbling of the horses all coming in? <laughs> the Afghan rebels. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I thought that was one of those moments that we talked about, like, you know, little editing thing going on. But I'm like, how do they suddenly just notice? I mean, I'm just not going to cause a rumble on the ground, I don't think, then from that far away all come running in that you can feel it happening you have to hear it all of a sudden things get quiet everybody stops shooting and you can really pick up on it but like well, why they stop shooting anyway it goes uh, then we get the afghan rebels joining the fight and you well, really feel like, like um the co moment you know where he's doing the breakout you know and he's he's, he's got to break out and and get in the fight and just by coincidence co's there with the gun shooting from behind the, the floorboards and it's a little bit yeah. like that moment that they're going to single-handedly take on this whole army and just by coincidence, the Afghan uh, rebels turn up and also get involved. Uh, what did you think when you first saw the movie? I don't know if, if you remember when you first watched it. Um, when you see he's charging head-on with the copter. He's in the tank. Here comes the helicopter. He's shooting the machine gun out of it as well. From there, he shoots the co-pilot. Then you see him shooting up. The guy fly the the bad lieutenant general whatever he is shooting him up too and then they crash explosion what was your first thought on that did you think kind of like me at that point like okay this is the third movie this doesn't look good we're probably not going to get a rambo at this point he's died in in his in his heroic effort to take out the bad guy yeah well i tell you what what i did think is you know he's going head to head with that tank into the helicopter and that would have been one hell of a headache being, you know, <laughs> the, noise in, the noise inside that tank of those two things colliding, that the noise would have, in itself would have been enough to, to kill him, you know. So I thought, it's like, hey, we're getting a bit full on here, everyone. This is like, R R Rambo's really on steroids here. <laughs> it, it's almost as believable as Arnold Schwarzenegger killing a giant alien predator deal. You know, when he should have been really outmatched by that, right? They each yeah, have their sure. own unbelievable moments, I guess, when it comes course, down to and, it. and that's what makes an 80s movie is that it they just push the boundary just a little bit beyond what's reasonable, but just not to throughout the whole film, just now and then. And that's the essence of the 80s is they're always, they just push the boundaries beyond the, the realm of realism a little bit. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's definitely... My like I said once again, my favorite of the bunch was three. Uh, yeah, it's, action it's, throughout it, little bits of humor thrown in there. Uh, sure. Definitely the the best of the three for me. Uh, we mentioned earlier we would kind of touch on maybe a couple of little tidbits about the others. If you had to, and of course these are these are beyond the '80s, so we're not going to go deep into them or anything. But uh, Rambo and Rambo Last Blood, uh, we yeah. we we get those. Um, and there's still no guarantee that he won't do another Rambo movie. He called it Last Blood, but that don't mean it's you know there's no more movies coming out for Rambo. But I mean, does it not also seem like the further along they went, the more graphically violent Rambo got? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I mean, to answer your question, uh, Rambo with, with being the fourth film because it was literally called Rambo. 
I, I actually, there was a really good standalone Rambo film. You know, he's gone off. He's living this quiet life uh, in Burma, mining his, mining his own business. Uh, and, and, you know, these Christians have come along and say, we need your help. And then that, it all goes pear-shaped. I think it was a really solid film, you know, and the action was epic. And I, I love, there were some great moments in that film. You know, I just love the moment where the mercenary soldiers have gone off and then Rambo just turns up and he's taken out the, the bad guys. And, 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 you know, he's got the arrow in the guys, uh, in the SAS guy's face. He says, this is, it's, this is who we are. It's what we do live for nothing or die for something and i just that line is just golden and one little yeah. quirky fact um that line is that's actually been adopted i believe i've read in articles by the actual burmese fighters you know fighting this civil war they've literally taken that line live for nothing die for something it's their freedom fighting call and apparently sylvester stallone said that was one of his most proud moments is that he's made this film you know to highlight the plight of the people and they've actually adopted you know the essence of rambo in their fighting spirit so that's pretty cool and then on the last part yeah look i mean I, i'm just not a big fan i think i literally watched it and i, I just felt it wasn't really rambo it's just they've taken this is it's not in the essence of all the films kind of have a continuous kind of story that you can buy into. But Last Blood was a little bit left of field and it was just a reason to go off and kill and blow up a bunch of people, you know, again. So I'm sorry, I'm not a big fan of Last Blood. And then like what I mentioned, it gets, it gets more graphically violent in the fourth one, Rambo, he practically guts a guy I mean, he stabs him twists it and slices back and it's like guts him right there it's falling out um it's just crazy and then you got in the last one in last blood he practically you know he's telling the guy you know when he he had killed the girl you know he said you you cut my heart out he's I'm, I'm here to show you how that feels or something along those lines and he literally cuts his heart out and shows it to him yeah, you sure. know I'm well, like, it's really it's, it's the unfortunate um, consequence of sequels that in order to kind of, uh, you know, buy in the punters, they, they generally have to get more violent, more kills or more extreme, more graphic. And, and I, I just think it just went a bit too far. And, and as I said, for me, it was just too far removed from the essence of who, uh, you know, John Rambo really was. And it's, it, you know, it is. Yeah. I mean, they want you to. It seems that it seems like they want you to see he's got a good retired life now. Basically, he went back home to his family. Yeah. Okay, he's going back home to his family. He's living a regular life there, and then I think it was his niece uh, that yeah, gets taken. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then this this activates you know, partial Rambo comes out to go get her and everything. Uh, but still, I mean, then at the end of it, when she's dead, you know, the full-fledged Rambo is reborn again, I guess. He's got booby traps set everywhere. He's blowing up his property. He's, you know, like I said, he ripped the, he basically ripped the guy's heart out and showed it to him. All, all that was left was to put it in a paper sack and fold it up and hand it to him. That's all that was left from there. Yeah, um, sure. I, wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the last movie either, just because when I think of Rambo, I think of some distant war going on somewhere where he's gone to help out or he's dragged exactly. into it you know yeah that's what i think of when i think of rambo so the fact sure. of what they did i wasn't a big fan of it and yeah. uh they show him at the end of it he's taking a lot of damage on his own he's sitting on his front porch in the chair 
And I'm, I don't even remember. I've only watched it twice, to be honest with you. When you think of yeah. how many times I've seen First Blood, how many times I've seen Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Part 3, and I I don't know, uh, total hundreds of times probably. I'm That's probably exaggerating, but I mean, a lot of times versus the two times I've only watched that one. I, I can't even tell you if he was insinuated to die at the end or live. Because I remember him taking a lot of damage and just plopping down on the chair staring out at the, at the distance, uh, you know, like like he's ready to go or something. I don't know. I couldn't make up my mind with that. Well, to be fair, I think, interestingly, the takings from the Rambo films, they kind of replicate um, the, the general popularity. So, for example, you know, uh, First Blood pulled in about $125 million, so a pretty solid start. First Blood was the biggest film. It made $300 million. Uh, Rambo 3, 188 million, so not quite as high, but still pretty good. 113 million for um, the fourth Rambo, and then the last one only 91 million. So the, the kind of overall takings kind of generally have really represent the the kind of the quality of, of the Rambo films. I think it's a nice presentation of the films. Yeah. 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 Well, before we get close to ending this or anything, do you have any other fun facts you want to put out there about the movies that we've missed or anything that we might have skipped? Or Yeah, well, no, actually, it's kind of a nice... What I wanted to do to wrap up, actually, was to just quickly talk about the cultural uh, significance of John Rambo, the character Rambo, and how integrated it is now into uh, society. Like it's, He's one of those characters that now you don't even have to have seen uh, you know, the film to know Rambo. Uh, also, the fact that he's been referenced so many times, like uh, uh, Ronald Reagan was quoted as, you know, uh, he quoted John Rambo in his foreign policy against Beirut. Like he literally saw Rambo First Blood 2 and the next day he's making a speech about the, you know, whatever's going on in the Middle East. And he literally referenced that perhaps he should adopt the policies of, of Rambo and all these yeah. kind of cultural integrations that he's been, you know, they you know they've replicated the film there's hot shots they make fun of it in hot shots you know there's references you know tango and cash rambo's a pussy you know twins you know he's referenced in so many other films uh, and also yeah. there have been so many uh, a really interesting thing there's been quite a few kind of rambo remakes and i think one of the most interesting ones is that the russians actually made their own version of rambo and they spun it so rather than you know, an American going around killing Russians. They they flipped it and obviously made it into a Russian going around killing Americans. So, yeah, I'd actually be really curious to see that film. It was called Soul Voyage, uh, and then there was a Kuwaiti version of it. Uh, and then apparently a couple of years ago, um, some people in India um, they were looking at making uh, Rambo film too. And I don't think it got off the ground, but there's some images on on the internet. Of, you know, this uh, Indian gentleman who looks very much like uh, John Rambo, pretty pumped. Uh, and then yeah. another one last one. Um, there's a film, I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Hunted from 2003 with Benicio del Toro and Tommy Tommy Lee Jones. And the storyline... I, I know of it, but I didn't watch it, though. Yeah, well, the the storyline from that film essentially replicates First Blood. It's about a crazed kind of ex um, special forces soldier who's who's going around killing people in the woods and then his old colonel has been brought in and trying to bring him back to back back in yeah so uh, you know it's just 
John Rambo, the character, has just been heavily integrated into popular culture. And, and I don't know if I mentioned it already. He's actually in the Oxford English Dictionary, which is, you know, it's basically the bedrock of the English language. If there's any word in the English language, you're going to find it in the Oxford English Dictionary. And he's become synonymous. It's become synonymous for, you know, a tough lone warrior who can, you know, can, who can handle his own worth. who can do things on his own. So, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's the Rambo franchise has definitely left its mark along of course with Rocky and as well so I take my hat off to Sylvester Stallone you make some great films and pay homage to the guy I'd love to meet him one day well that would be awesome I agree with you on that I mean if, because he was my favorite 80s actor <laughs> he was my absolute favorite 80s actor because you had so much he brought with Rocky and Rambo and then like I said, Tango and Cash, there was Lock Up, there was uh, Over the Top he did, which was great, uh, Cobra. I mean, he had so many fun, great movies, action movies. That He's the guy, if I had to pick between you know him and Schwarzenegger, or, uh, man, I don't know. I, I don't want to throw Chuck Norris in there because I'm a big Chuck Norris fan too. But um, I, I would say Stallone over Schwarzenegger to me any day of the week. Yeah, look, it's a. I mean, has got great movies on his own. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it was bad before anybody thinks that out there. Schwarzenegger was great, but I'm talking two different types of greatness when it comes to the movies. Schwarzenegger has a lot of great action flicks and very versatile with them. Uh, A lot of good one-liners. Most of the great one-liners in the movies came from you know Schwarzenegger movies, probably. Yeah, well, Schwarzenegger, absolutely. He sure was. His movies are riddled with one liners, and you can yeah. find them on my shirts. Uh, but, uh, yes. you know, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a lot of um, respect for both of them. And just quickly, you know, about Stallone, you know, before he's making his movie career, he wrote um, the story of Rocky. And the guy literally, I think he had about $120 in his bank account. And he's taking this script around to you know, production companies. And, of course, nobody wanted it. And finally, somebody um, said, oh, yeah, OK, I'm going to take it. I'm going to pay you one million dollars for your script. And they didn't want to cast Sylvester Stallone as Rocky. And, and bear in mind, this guy was broke and they were going to give him a million dollars. He said, no, he said, I don't I, I'm not I don't want your million dollars. I'm Rocky. I'm in this film. So there is a man who is true to his creative art. He could have taken a million dollars there and then. But imagine what direction his career would have gone if he took the million. It would have been, I'm sure, a totally different path if it wasn't Sylvester Stallone as Rocky because uh, Rocky yeah. came before um, Rambo. I mean, if you think about it, a million dollars is a lot of money today. But think about it in the 70s, what a million dollars meant. I but mean, if you're, that was a lot, even a, a yeah. lot more money than just what sure, it feels I mean, like. Especially if you're broke and someone says, hey, I'll give you a million dollars. You've got to have a lot of discipline. and. Uh, uh, to say no and, and that for me right. really personifies who sylvester stallone is in terms of his, his creative talent and his commitment to his art of uh, movie making and, and writing writing stories you know the again i say i take it said it before i say it again take my hat off to him i completely agree with you definitely well man it has been a blast talking about Ro- uh, rocky rambo movies today See, we, we got into Rocky at the end of it. It threw me off. I can't help it. Uh, but it's been a blast talking about these Rambo movies today and Sylvester Stallone in general. I'm really glad that you were able to work it out to get on the show with us. Um, 
uh, for people who listen, not thinking about it, there's a huge time difference right now. Uh, he is he is literally talking to us from the future. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> from the future. So if you get the Powerball numbers that are winning right now, you let me know, and I'll go ahead and write them down. We'll split it later. But um, I'm glad we were able to work this out to get you on the show, man. It's been been really fun and really great. You know a ton of stuff about Rainbow. It's really amazing. Yeah. And there, there's so many more movies, you know, we can we, maybe another episode chat about the Rocky franchise and and then, you know, we can could go to uh, Arnie and Predator. I mean, it's just riddled with one liners and brilliant moments. And Arnie yeah, I mean, you're all right. I'll tell you, like I tell everybody else that comes on here and co-hosts with me, you're always welcome back on the show if you want to come back on again. Uh, yeah. I don't have a consistent co-host. I jump around to different people, bring different people on. That way sure. we get a different perspective from people That's here true. and there. It's not the same thing all the time. So yeah. anytime you want to come back on again, we'll we'll work out ahead of time what we want to do. Maybe we'll do Rocky next time. Or yeah. maybe we'll jump on we'll go from Stallone over to Schwarzenegger and talk about his, you know, the the Predator movie. Or we'll say the Predator franchise and talk about Schwarzenegger first and just go into the that and the second one, maybe with Danny Glover, or we'll we'll, we'll oh, find yeah. something that fits us for sure. Though there's there's plenty of things out there we can break down and talk about that, that I have not done on this show yet. So, but uh, once again, let's go ahead and just ref, you know just go back everything we've gone over so far. Um, if you will, one more time, tell everybody about your Instagram account and what it is where they can follow you and that you get your T-shirts at your store and everything. Tell them about that one more time. Yeah, thank, thanks, Chris. So uh, all your listeners, I'd love for you to, to come and join me because I talk about, you know, movies on my page a lot, of classic moments from classic films. So that's top underscore 80s movies. So that's T-O-double-P underscore A-T with an S underscore movies, plural. And there you can get the link to my shop there, which is top T's dot shop, T-O-double-P, uh, T's, T-double-E-S dot shop. And as I said at the start, for your exclusively for your listeners, if you use the discount code Rambo, you can get 10% off at all of the shirts. So I've got about uh, six movies on there at the moment, and I'm constantly adding uh, movies all the time as I, as I design the shirt. So go, go over and check them out. I'm sure if you love this uh, um, podcast about uh, retro films, I'm sure you'll uh, love my shirts. But as I said, love to see you on my page too. So we can uh, continue the conversation to talk about, you know, these amazing movie moments. Absolutely. And I, I hope plenty of people buy shirts. Represent your movies that you like, people. I mean, let people know out there. I mean, it's nothing wrong with loving the retro movies from the 80s and the 90s and such. And to have your favorite little catchphrase on there. I mean, uh, like you said on yours right there, do we get to win? Dana, do you have Big Trouble in Little China yet? Do you, have you done that one? I haven't done that one. Maybe I'll, that'll be my next range then, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, if you ever get to do that one, you could always definitely, you got to have it's all in the reflexes. You got to have one where it's that on okay. it for sure. People sure. people love their little one liners. I mean, people quote these That's things right. every day of their lives. And to have it yeah. on your shirt, you can just be like, read That's it, right. you know? But that's well, awesome. I, just before we go, then I do have a really cool story to finish up with. Um, they just had uh, Michael Bean over here in australia doing a special screening of terminator oh, yeah. and so he for, for those of you who aren't sure he's kyle reese in terminator and he's one of the, the main uh colonial marines and aliens anyway i went to the event and i went to meet him and i wore 
one of my alien shirts with, with a reference to him. It's called Somebody Wake Up Hicks. And I presented him uh, with that shirt. And, and he literally, his eyes lit up and he said, hey, I love your shirt. And there and then he put on my shirt, uh, Somebody Wake Up Hicks, and he wore it for the entire event um, to talk about the alien, the making of aliens. And I was just blown away to think this is an 80s legend. He's wearing my T-shirt on stage for a packed house. It was one of the most coolest moments I've had this year, that's for sure. And that is definitely awesome. It's got, and it's got to be an awesome feeling too. Uh, it was awesome. Really? And then, you know, people just, you know, it's like you said, you know, there, everyone there was an Aliens fan and I had the shirt on. And the picture people coming up to me saying, oh, I love your shirt. That's so cool. When you love the film, you know the lines you love. And, and that's why I created these shirts is to, you know, to relive the, the golden moments that literally make your heart warm because you just you love those one-liners from all of these films. Absolutely, and, that, and I'm a huge fan of stuff like that. Like I said, to this day, with my friends, uh, we we know what's we know it's coming too, and we'll start laughing for the other one gets it out, and we'll quote TV shows or movies. And uh, one of my best friends to this day today uh, from the TV show Night Court, if you remember Night Court, uh, no, John Larroquette. Well, there was John Larroquette, um, Harry Anderson, Marky Post, uh, Richard Mall. Marshall Warfield. It's about, you know, like it says, night court is what they're conducting. And there's a scene in one of the episodes where this little circus, small, crazy circus gets brought in where a fight happened at it. And some of the people come in and one of the trapeze girls who is very pretty is talking to John Larroquette's character, Dan Fielding, who's known to be a womanizer or something. And he's telling her, and no matter how much you sweat, always hold on to the handlebar. <laughs> so i mean out of the blue sometimes one of us will just spit that out and we'll just start laughing because it's so funny to remind, and reminds us of that of that better time to us and stuff. but absolutely uh, so once once again we're going to get you back on the show soon man definitely no doubt and you and i'll work this out whenever we can Thanks, whether, it's, whether it's a few weeks away in december or after the first of the year whatever is more easy you know for you and everything for sure since we get this big time difference uh for those of you out there who know the show you know you can find this show uh pretty much anywhere out there where you download your regular podcasts we're on itunes we're on uh spotify we're at iHeartRadio and amazon music and google music and all this good stuff uh we hope you enjoy the episode today and that you watch it and when you're done watching it give us a rating and a review because it really and truly helps out and the algorithm for the ranking of the podcast and gets some uh, notoriety out there. I know some of you have been doing it for me and I appreciate it. It has helped. The listening base has grown. Uh, and that's that's a huge deal to me. I mean, uh, if I don't make one cent off this podcast, but I have a thousand listeners, I would make my day completely because people who enjoy this type of stuff you know, get to listen to the people like you that I bring on who are so knowledgeable of these things and we can all just sit back and have a good time. If it brings joy to people later on, you know, then that's more than worth it to me. Of course, if I happen to make a million, trillion, zillion dollars too, I'm not going to complain. You know, don't look at gift horse in the mouth, right? But uh, it's been great. Thanks everybody for listening and we will get you back on here soon. So that being said, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks, Chris.